With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Well, Fran Duffy, uh, a, a bit of a, a sad day for me as uh, our our trip to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl coverage has officially come to an end. We are heading back to Philadelphia. My first trip down here it was my first time in St. Pete at the Senior Bowl. My first chance to come down here. Uh, really just a great time. Get to see all the behind the scenes, everything that goes into it. I know you've been down here a number of years, but... Uh, really just an eye-opening experience to see uh, just everything that goes into it. Yeah, it's always fun coming down here. And Phil Savage, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, always does a great job of putting together the event and making making it so efficient in every way possible. Uh, it's really just a fun event. It's gotten better each and every year. And it's always great to come see some of the best players around the country prepare for the NFL draft. And I was so sad about leaving Mobile that I didn't even properly introduce the podcast. This, of course, is the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I am Alex Smith, joined by the man you just heard from, Fran Duffy, uh, as we break down and kind of recap everything that we saw at the Senior Bowl uh, in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, We'll get into a couple of interesting notes in Draft Buzz, as we always do. And then in our Mr. Relevant segment, we'll hear from Tony Pauline, Draft Insider from DraftInsider.net, as he tells us, Uh, which players who had a a good week of practice here, how they can carry that momentum into the game and and really stand out in the mind of scouts uh, and of teams around the NFL. Uh, We'll play pick six, as we always do. And and yesterday uh, on the podcast, we went through through players who are the most pro-ready prospects. This... Today we're going to go a little bit opposite there. We're going to go for players who have the most upside, even though they may be a, a bit of a project. Uh, we'll have a, an unofficial visit as well, and then we will go on the clock and dig into our draft mailbag. So uh, it's just about time to uh, wrap up our Senior Bowl coverage here, and we'll get things started with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Up first today in Draft Buzz, we're going to talk about another player, friend that we saw uh, down in St. Pete at the Shrine game, uh, and that was South Carolina State defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, a player who played really well there, and he was then added to the Senior Bowl roster because of injuries. And uh, after impressing us in St. Pete, he impressed us again here in Mobile. Yeah, and he was obviously one of the most impressive players down in the Shrine game, like you said, and I know he's a big fan, uh, or a lot of people are a big fan of his game. I think he's got the ability to be a very intriguing three-technique prospect moving forward, and if the Eagles are looking for more help at the three-technique spot, if they do move to a 4-3 behind Fletcher Cox, Hargrave could be a very interesting player because I think he's got the ability to be that penetrating type force, and I thought coming in day one, thought he had a really intriguing day. I thought he had a really good day. He beat Cody Whitehair with a swim move in one-on-ones. I thought he had the ability uh, to really improve improve his stock, and I thought it came through. Where Where is he going to fit in in an NFL defense? I, I think his best fit is as a uh, as a three-technique defensive tackle. And as Josh Norris from Roto World walks up, I know he is a big fan of Javon Hargrave uh, and of his game moving forward. Uh, as a really intriguing player, especially for a 4-3 scheme. Speaking of Josh Norris, our uh, our next item here on Draft Buzz actually comes from Roto World's Josh Norris. 
and I'm going to quote him here where he says <laughs> that Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State Center Jack Allen is, quote, having a great week here in Mobile. Fran, you were able to catch up with Jack Allen. We heard from him on yesterday's podcast. Uh, but he's just uh, really a versatile guy, can do a lot of things in the middle of an offensive line. Look, he's got the ability to line up as a tailback and take a power play <clears throat> and stiff arm a linebacker and run into the end zone. Obviously, has great positional versatility. Uh, now, you talk about a guy that can play tackle, he can play guard, he's shown that throughout his career. But then also, his ability to hold up at the point of attack, I think he's a bulldog in the run game. He gets after it uh, against those, those defensive tackles inside and then also the ability to anchor in pass protection, take on a bull rush, showed that repeatedly time and time again throughout the, the course of this week. Uh, a really intriguing player moving forward. Our timing on the Journey to the Draft podcast is really incredible. Yesterday we talked about Carson Wentz. He comes walking right by, basically stares at us uh, <laughs> as we're talking about him. And today we did get the same thing with Josh Norris from Roto World. So you never know who you're going to see. But uh, all right, next item of business up here. Uh, this one is concerning another interesting quarterback prospect and it's Memphis quarterback Paxton Lynch who said that he doesn't have a problem sitting for a season and learning behind a veteran quarterback. Obviously a potential first, most likely a first-round pick this year. We've seen guys in the past like Aaron Rodgers sit behind Brett Favre, learn a little bit, and then just come in and start setting the league on fire once they get in. Uh, and Paxton Lynch says he doesn't have a problem with that. Yeah, and, and that's big for a lot of teams that are picking up high in the draft. If they feel like they have a guy and they just want to groom him, you know, Dallas. If they want to draft him and groom him behind Tony Romo, uh, San Francisco, <clears throat> if they want to draft him and groom him behind uh, whether it's Blaine Gappert or Colin Kaepernick, whoever they want to groom, you know, set set aside and be kind of that that causeway to Paxton Lynch that allows them to do that. Uh, all right, I think that's going to wrap things up for Draft Buzz here. Before we move on, I want to thank all of our listeners out there. Uh, and feel free to rate, comment, subscribe, however it is that you listen to our podcast, whether you download it through iTunes, Stitcher, or if you go on to PhiladelphiaEagles.com and listen to it. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter as well and let us know. Uh, we always look forward to fan feedback, and uh, we want to make this show uh, as fan-friendly as we can. So, with that, let's move into our Mr. Relevant segment here as we hear from Tony Pauline, uh, Draft Insider of DraftInsider.net, uh, as he tells us which players who had a good week of practice here can really help their cause by carrying that momentum into the Senior Bowl. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Now that the week of practice is in the books here in Mobile, Alabama, let's see which players can carry the momentum of a good week into today's game at the Senior Bowl. I'm Alex Smith alongside Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net. Tony, which players could, who we see all have a good week this week could carry that into the game on Saturday? Let's first look at Carson Wentz, the quarterback from North Dakota State, who's building a big buzz for him. A lot of people think he's going to be a top 12 pick. He's got the physical skills. He made great passes throughout the week. He made him down the field. He made him in the red zone. A real leader of the defense. The game is a quarterback-oriented game, so I would expect big things from, uh, uh, from uh, Carson Wentz. I'm sorry, from, from Wentz. Let's, we got to do that again. I'm That's sorry. okay. Fuck. We'll get through it. Okay. Three, two. Our week of practice coverage is in the book. So now the big question is, which players can carry over the momentum of a good week into the Senior Bowl game? And for that, we go to Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net. Tony, which players had some good 
practices this week and how can they translate that into the game? Who's one of those guys? Let's look at Carson Wentz, the quarterback from North Dakota State, who really is building a big buzz about him throughout the week. A lot of people think he's going to be a top 12 pick. He's got the size. He's got the stature. He made some great passes. He had some great practices, especially in the end zone, showed the ability to throw down the field. There's four quarterbacks, and this is a, uh, on each side, and this is a quarterback-oriented game. So Wentz has got to make the most of his opportunity when he steps under center. And that doesn't mean throw for huge yards. That means move the chains, get the ball down the field, hopefully get the ball into the end zone. But I think Wentz is one of those guys. He can cap off a tremendous week with a good game on Saturday. And how about perhaps the best wide receiver that we saw down here this week, a guy who hasn't really been playing the position that long, and that's Braxton Miller. He's been phenomenal. I mean, he's a guy who I ranked as a third-round pick coming into the week. He's now early second round, maybe late first round. He's done everything. You can tell he looks very natural, the route running, the way, not only catching the ball with his hands, but the way he separates from defenders from the hand with his hands. What I want to watch on Saturday is, does he do any returning? Does he return any kicks? Because he practiced it during the week, and special teams is something that they get. They do just skeletal practice. It's big during the games. Let's see. That would be basically the whipped cream on top of everything else for Braxton Miller. And if he has some big returns, that could solidify himself as a late first-round choice. Now, Tony, we also saw a lot of talented running backs down here in Mobile, one of them being Tyler Irvin from San Jose State, a guy who showed he can do a little bit of everything. Tyler Irvin's week to, uh, while in Mobile reminds me of Darren Sproles and what he did the Philadelphia Eagles running back almost 10 years ago. I mean, he's small in stature, but he plays big. He's got incredible quickness. He's basically, he, they couldn't catch him. I mean, once he was in the open field, he's very slippery, showed the ability to turn the corner, ran hard on the inside, good pass catcher, did a good job when he was asked to block. Again, like Braxton Miller, Tyler Irvin's probably going to get a chance to return some punts, some big returns in the mold of Darren Sproles when he was here. Even Antoine, uh, Antoine Randall-L could really improve his draft stock. And here's a guy who was basically a late-round choice. He's moved into the middle rounds, potentially a third-round choice as people really like his uh, prospects at the next level as a third-down back. How about on the offensive line? Uh, Jason Spriggs from Indiana is a guy uh, I was really impressed with what he was able to do this week. Had a lot of buzz coming into the week. I think he really helped himself. Yeah, tremendous left tackle, tremendous pass blocker. He answered the questions that scouts had about him, his strength, his, his strength at the point of attack, his run blocking. I mean, he was moving players off the line of scrimmage. He handled some of the bigger, stronger players. He's a tremendous pass blocker, and the fact that he's going to be blocking for four different quarterbacks, you want to watch him run blocking. I think he's definitely cemented himself as a late, as a late first-round choice. If he has a good game, he could move up even further into the middle of the first frame. And now let's close out here by looking at a pair of defenders. The first one, Noah Spence, small school guy, big motor, had a great week this week. And it's great that we're talking about Noah Spence after Jason Spriggs. Noah Spence, the former Ohio State player who transferred to Eastern Kentucky, showed a lot of great pass rushing skill this week, especially out of a two-point stance. Watch him during the game on Saturday. Is he out of a three-point stance? Is he standing up over tackle? Really going to be looking forward to that matchup when Noah Spence is lined up against Jason Spriggs. Those are two guys who are on the rise. We'll see who wins out in that battle. And last but certainly not least, Jordan Jenkins, a terrific linebacker that we've seen here. Yeah, there's no blitzing in the game, so you want to watch Jordan Jenkins in space. How does he do against the run? How does he do covering the tight ends in coverage, the backs, the guys like the Tyler Irvins, who he's going to be playing against? Can he stay with those speedy players down the field when the ball is in the air? I think he's had a great week. He's, he's in that maybe that early second, late first round choice. If he has a good week, you look at the injury to Jalen Smith and Notre Dame. He's a three-down uh, defender at the linebacker position. He could really move into the top 20. So there you have it, a list of players that stood out here during the week, and we'll see if they can carry that momentum into the Senior Bowl game. For Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net, I'm Alex Smith, and for continuing coverage, stay right here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Now it's time for Pick 6.
It is now time for pick six. It's not pick seven or pick five. We're not going to bend the rules today. Fran Duffy and I are going to give you six players that have a lot of upside in this year's draft, and they may be a, a little bit of a project. They have a, a lot of things to work on. Uh, they may not be pro-ready from day one, but guys with a lot of potential here. Uh, Fran, why don't you start things off today? Sure, I'll, I'll start it off. And one of those guys I think is LaRaven Clark, the tackle out of Texas Tech. We talked to him earlier this week, a big mammoth. I think I called him ginormous you player did. Yes. along the offensive line spot. I thought he had a good week of practice and really helped himself throughout the course of the week. A big kid, again, like I said, shows really good ability to bend, ability to get low and, and keep himself in good athletic position. I was always really impressed by LaRaven Clark's play. I know he's had some up and down moments. Some people will cite that bowl game against LSU where he was handled by the redshirt freshman defensive end Arden Key from the Tigers. But I think that Clark is a really interesting player, a guy that I feel that offensive line coaches will look at and see as a moldable ball of clay. I can't imagine this guy getting out of the second day of the draft. I think he'll be a day two pick. Yeah, and I'm going to go with the guy that we've talked about a number of times on this very pro, uh, very podcast, and that's Sean Oakman, uh, the defensive end out at Baylor. And I even mentioned it to you yesterday that, you know, it would have been nice to see more out of him this week of practice. Uh, he's got some questions about, you know, his motor and, uh, you know, if, if the play isn't coming directly towards him that he's not going to get over and, and, and hustle over to make the plays. But when you just look at his frame, six foot seven. 269 pounds. He's got an 84 and two ace wingspan. That is far and away the longest uh, of any of the prospects here in the draft. And just his pure uh, here at the Senior Bowl, I should say, uh, and just his pure size and his athleticism. Like to see him get a little bit bigger down low. I think he's a little bit leaner than I thought that he was going to be. But he's one of those guys where if he ever just puts it together, he could be a, a really really good player in this league. Just just looking at how much of a physical specimen that he is, uh, I think he's got a lot of potential, but I think it's going to take a little bit of work to get him there. Yeah, and I, and I would agree. And you talked about his size, and he really is an oversized prospect from the Big 12. Well, my next guy is going to be an undersized prospect from the Big 12, and that's linebacker Eric Stryker from Oklahoma. And it's interesting. I Throughout this whole process, I, I wasn't sure whether or not he was an edge player. You know, is he a pass rusher? Is he, uh, you know, a guy that can can come off the edge and be that kind of a player in the NFL, or is he a drop back in space? Use him in coverage, uh, and obviously, I think he'd be used in, in all those situations. We, and you talked to him earlier this week, and he knows he wants to be a blitzer. So regardless of how he's used, I think he will get after the quarterback in certain situations. He's a great athlete. No question about it. He moves really, really well. Even though he is undersized, he moves really, really well for the linebacker position. And that's an area where he can be used. But I think he still needs a lot of refinement. I think that he still needs to get stronger at the point of attack. There are certain things where I know that he needs to get better at if he's going to reach his full potential and be more than a sub-package type player at the next level. All right. For my next pick here, I'm going to go into the Ivy League Offensive tackle, Cole Toner out of Harvard. Yeah. Uh, a guy with really, really good size uh, at the tackle position. Six foot five, 305 pounds. Uh, doesn't have the biggest uh, wingspan in the world, 80 and 5 eighths, uh, although that is uh, longer than some of the other offensive linemen that we've seen down here. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be a starter in the NFL right away, but uh, if you're a team like the Eagles where you have Lane Johnson on one side and Jason Peters on the other side and you kind of want to draft that developmental tackle uh, for, for years to come, 
I think maybe Toner could be that guy. He's been very sturdy, very solid all week long when we've seen him uh, against a really talented defensive line uh, for the North roster and really talented edge rushers that we've seen down here with guys like Jihad Ward, uh, Carl Nassib too. And when we've seen him in one-on-one drill, one-on-one drills, Toner hasn't backed down and obviously comes from a bit of a smaller school in Harvard, but uh, I think he could be a guy that you could develop as a, a solid piece of an offensive line down the road. I think he's had a, a pretty solid week. Yeah, you know, and last last year everybody remembers Ali Mopart uh, from or Ali Marpet from Hobart College. Uh, you know, and I think that Marpet came down here and he was he was a standout player and he was highlighted day in day out. Toner hasn't been that good. He hasn't been to that level. But I think he's had a pretty solid week, and I think he has gotten better as the week's gone on. A really big kid that's got light feet, and he's an, a really impressive player. Uh, the next guy I'm going to talk about, though, again, is one of those players that is a moldable ball of clay, and that's the cornerback from northern Iowa, UNI, DeAndre Hall, who's got outstanding length and an outstanding wingspan, bigger than any corner that's been drafted in the last five years. Is just a really impressive-looking player. Got a little bit scrappy today with him. Him and Braxton Miller got after it a couple times in practice. Braxton uh, Miller was getting after a lot of guys, but give give DeAndre Hall credit for not backing down. Yeah, exactly. And I think the Hall, is, he's intriguing. Now, is he one of the best corners here? No. And I think that there are areas where he needs to improve. I think that he can continue to improve at the line of scrimmage. I think that there are going to be questions about his athleticism. But uh, definitely a guy that you can mold, especially if you're a press coverage team. You can look at him and see his, him as a developmental type player in the secondary. All right, and for uh, my final pick here, pick number six in pick six, uh, I'm going to go with a guy at the quarterback position who doesn't really blow you away when you look at him but can do a lot of things pretty well, and that's Cody Kessler, the quarterback from Southern Cal. Uh, Like I said, he's not going to wow you uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but... uh, He's got good. He's got decent arm strength. He can move around in the pocket a little bit. Uh, played in a, a good offense at USC. Put up some some pretty high numbers. He's only six foot one, two hundred and twenty four pounds. But uh, I think that he's a guy. I don't think he's going to be a, like with all these guys. I don't think he's going to be a starter right away in the NFL. Um, but he's. I think he showed himself well this week. Um, he showed adequate arm strength. He showed he can get out of the pocket and move a little bit and throw on the run as well. So he may not be the hottest name at the quarterback position here in Mobile, but uh, certainly a, an interesting quarterback candidate maybe down the road. Yeah, and I, I think that he's a guy that – I talked about Kevin Hogan yesterday. I think that Cody Kessler, again, is another player that shows pro-style traits, and he doesn't have the strongest arm, and people are going to knock him for it, and that's going to be the case. And it is what it is, and I don't know how much better his arm is going to get. I really enjoyed – uh, talking to him with this, uh, talking to him this week, I think that he shows an ability to work in the pocket, throw with anticipation. He's an accurate thrower. Again, the arm strength is an issue, but I think he's an intriguing player. Speaking of your chat with Cody Kessler earlier this week, let's go to that right now in our unofficial visit. The unofficial visit. Here now with USC quarterback Cody Kessler. And, Cody, uh, for those who have yet to see you play, a lot of Eagles fans obviously on the East Coast haven't necessarily seen you play out in the West Coast. Can you provide a quick scouting report of yourself? Yeah, yeah, for me, um, you know, I've always been, you know, proud of myself in decision-making, you know, and accuracy and, and taking care of the football and uh, making smart decisions. You know, I was always graded like that at USC, and our coach always stressed that. And um, that's always try to keep, you know, the interceptions down and, and, you know, throw a lot of touchdowns, as everyone does. But, um, you know, really emphasize getting the ball to the right guy and coming out and just being a leader and a guy that's, you know, a blue-collar guy, you know, from Bakersfield. And, 
um, you know, I've worked for everything I got, so I just come out and, and, you know, I appreciate the hard work and I appreciate the grind and, you know, I accept all that and um, look forward to it, you know, so I've always, um, you know, enjoyed playing the quarterback position, you know, it's been a lot of fun for me. Is there one area of your game that you know, based off the feedback you've gotten from scouts, you know you want to improve on moving forward? Yeah, I want to continue to improve on, stuff for me, you know, personally too, is, is my footwork, you know, I always, I always take a lot of pride in my footwork and I always try to improve that as much as I can, especially speed it up at the next level, um, you know, because things happen so much quicker. Um, and also just, I guess, continue improving mechanics-wise. You know, you can, you can never really reach your peak. you got to keep working. But, um, you know, I like to work on every aspect of the game, and it's important to me to kind of polish everything as much as I can. Is there one area of the quarterback position you feel like goes uh, under the radar for a little bit for fans? Everyone talks about arm strength and accuracy, decision-making. Is there one area that you think flies under the radar a little bit? I think the mental side of it is definitely a big part of it. Um, you know, it, it's kind of hard. To, to understand that, I guess you've never been in the position, but yeah, there's a lot that, that goes on with being a quarterback. You know, you got to handle your team, you got to handle the, the outside noise, distractions, and you know, I saw it firsthand at USC. You know, there was a lot of a lot of adversity, and then I had you know five five different coaching changes in three years. You know, so I, I dealt with it firsthand, but um, you got to enjoy that. You know, you got to look forward to, to walking up to your team and kind of telling them, you know, we're going to block everything out and, and just focus on what we control, and that's going out and practicing hard and um, winning football games. You know, and we had a lot of expectations at USC and. You know, things happen and, and different things here and there that we couldn't control. But, you know, it was, it was my job to keep the team together and keep working and, um, you know, turn a season that could have been, you know, really negative and ended up being a positive. A, a lot, a long history of quarterbacks at USC. You've seen a lot of them go to the NFL. What's one area that you know this is the most important area for an NFL quarterback to be successful? Um, I think overall is, is obviously the leadership's a big part of it. Um, winning games is, is also a huge part of it. But I think everything works hand in hand. You know, if you want to be a successful quarterback, you got to be able to do everything. You know, there's not really one key area. Um, you got to be a great leader. You got to lead by example. Be a vocal leader. You know, win football games. Um, be clutch. You know, do all these different things that it takes um, to have a successful NFL team and, and be a successful quarterback. Um, for me, you know, I'm just been trying to learn as much as I can while I'm out here. You know, with this coaching staff and, and kind of hear their terminology about it, and, and you know, talk to Coach Wilson, the, the quarterback coach, and you know, hear how he talks about things. And he he has he's been around for a long time. You know, doing. Um, you know, been a part of the NFL, and um, you know he definitely knows a lot about it. So I'm trying to, you know, be a sponge out here and, and take in everything I can. All right, well, Cody, best of luck moving forward, and thanks very much for your time. Absolutely. On the clock. It is now time to go on the clock, Fran. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. All right, here we go, Fran. Uh, big question here to start. We're going to play. Who will be today? I love who will be. <laughs> You're a big fan of almost every single game that we play on this podcast. I love the, I lo- you know what? I love the games because it's not, it's not about the game. It's not the game. <laughs> we're talking about we, we talk about the game. We're talking about structuring the conversation and, and talking about uh, different discussion points and how it can really generate interesting discussion. We did that yesterday. We talk, we talk about the valuation of draft, pro- draft prospects. I'm very excited about what this Who Will Be game will bring forward. So let's All right, see. well – I'm glad you're excited because let's dig right into it here. First question, Fran, on the clock. Who will be the MVP of this year's Senior Bowl? I'm going to go out on a limb. He's a guy that we haven't really talked about at all this week. Okay. I'm going to say it's North Dakota State quarterback Carson Wentz. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I just You said that, that I was smitten by him yesterday, and now you're saying that he's going to be the MVP. So who's smitten now, I ask? <laughs> I, I just think that – Look, he's the best. I think he's the best quarterback here for for sure. And I think that I said it yesterday. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what he can do to, uh, on Saturday. I'm excited to see what he does tomorrow. 
it's it's going to be a big opportunity for him. He he's only played again. He's only played what six seven games this year. So this is only his eighth game of the season. Should be nice and fresh. I'm excited to see him get out there. All right. So while Fran takes the chalk answer, I'm going to go a little bit more off the board here. And I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake, the running back from Alabama, a guy that showed us a lot. Uh, I think he can he, he, he could definitely improve a little bit more uh, as a blocker, but as that third down change of pace type running back, and especially in the return game. I feel like uh, in, in an all-star game like this, if a player can break off a, a, a big return touchdown, uh, I like what Kenyon Drake can do. In fact, our friend Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net, I saw him tweet yesterday that some teams are comparing Kenyon Drake to Reggie Bush after they got a chance to come and see him here, just with his burst and what he can do matched up one-on-one with a linebacker. I like Kenyon Drake a lot. I think he's going to be the MVP of the game. Yeah, and it's an interesting pick. I, I, I was thinking about maybe going with one of those off-the-board answers, but the more I thought about it, the more I just kept going back to Wentz. All right, question two here on the clock. Fran, who will be the senior bowl player to impress the most at the Combine this year? Well, this one's going to take – this is going to be like one of those uh, those seeds that takes a little bit of time to grow. Jihad Ward from Illinois, a guy we've talked about a lot this year. I'll be interested to see what he gets – who he gets paired with, what position group he gets paired with at the senior ball. I'd imagine it'll be with defensive line group. His numbers are going to be freakish. And the thing is, is he's going to go and he's going to run like a 4-7, you 4-8, know, and everyone's going to be like, oh, okay, he ran a 4-7, 4-8 with a bunch of defensive ends because that's what he'll, he'll probably be running you know, compared to some of these other defensive ends. And when you, you know, if he runs back-to-back with like Noah Spence and Noah Spence runs uh, a 4-6 and then Jihad Ward comes up and runs a 4-8, people right off the cuff are going to say, oh, yeah, okay, well, he ran a 4-8 except the guy's 300 pounds, and he <laughs> ran a 4.8. I think that he's a freakish athlete for his size. And once the, the, the measurements start coming out in terms of comparing the size and speed ratio for guys, I think that people will start to appreciate his athleticism. He's a guy I'm very, very impressed to see moving forward. Yeah, and for me, uh, I'm going to go on the offensive line here. And, uh, a little again, a little bit of an off-the-board answer here. I'm going to go with Jason Spriggs from Indiana. He's a guy I really liked when I got to see him up close uh, and in person in Mobile. Because just looking at his size and how he measured uh, in Mobile, he's six foot five. Or I'm sorry, yeah, six foot five and a half, 301 pounds. He also had the longest arms and the longest wingspan of anyone on the North roster. Uh, and really, when you go and look at the South roster, I think the only player who had a longer wingspan of any of the players down in Mobile was Raven Clark, who's another just huge physical specimen. Uh, but I think Spriggs is going to impress uh, because he really left an impression on me when we saw him. Uh, at the Senior Bowl, just a big guy, a talented player. And I think he's got a little bit of athleticism to him as well. So I'm really interested to see what a guy like Spriggs can do at the Combine and maybe even shoot his draft stock even higher than it already is right now. Yeah, and I think that that's a valid point. He's another one of these big kids with light feet that I think has the ability to impress the Combine. All right, next question here, Fran. Who will be the best Senior Bowl quarterback at the next level not named Carson Wentz. And I want to start first because the guy that's really jumped out to me this week is Jake Coker, the quarterback from Alabama. And just watching him on TV, seeing him play uh, in, the F- in, the, uh, in the playoffs and in the national championship game, I thought he was a good player. I thought he was a solid quarterback, a guy who could manage the game, uh, not turn the ball over, and just really let the defense win. But just seeing him down here, he's really, really impressed me. Uh, I think that he was the the best quarterback here, not named Carson Wentz. Uh, and he, his size really stood out to me as well, seeing him in person. Six foot five, 
236 pounds. He's got good arm strength. He he understands the offense. Seems like a he has a pretty high football IQ uh, when it comes to knowing defenses and, and breaking them down and, and all that all those kind of things. So Jake Coker is a guy who I didn't expect much of this week, but seeing him in person, he really impressed me. I think he could be one of the best quarterbacks we've seen here. Yeah, I think Coker certainly passes the eye test. I've always been a big fan of his talent. And I, I think another name that belongs in that list, and I would say that these guys behind Wentz are probably uh, two and three in some order. I would say it's NC State's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, a little bit underwhelming this week. You know, sure. I, I, I was hoping to see a little bit more out of him. Certainly has talent. I think that he, he came in, it's cert- you know, I think good-sized kid. On tape, you see that strength, the play strength and ability to shrug off tacklers in the pocket, and he does show an ability to be able to navigate the pocket with bodies around him. Flashes strong arm, flashes good accuracy. Didn't do it consistently enough, and the, and con- the consistency was again an issue this week. Sometimes he's a little bit erratic. I would have liked to see a little bit more. We'll see how he looks in the game on Saturday. Next question here, friend. Who will be the fastest Senior Bowl wide receiver at the Combine? Some of the options here, Sterling Shepard, Jay Lee, K.J. May, Sharon Peak, Malcolm Mitchell, um, Aaron Burbridge is another guy, Braxton Miller, Jordan Payton. uh, So certainly some interesting names there. Who's going to be the fastest Senior Bowl wide receiver at the Combine? I'm going to go a little bit off the board. I'm going to go with K.J. May. K.J. May. K.J. May. I think that... Uh, he's shown explosive ability, the ability to get downfield. He certainly has the quicks as well, and I think he's a guy that's both quick and fast. Uh, I'll go with May, although I think that the guy that you're going to talk about may be the chalk answer. Uh, look, I mean, K.J. May down by the bay, he just may run the fastest uh, 40 at the Combine. It's really hard for me to go against Braxton Miller. Uh, I think in the past he's been clocked at a 4 4 440 exactly, which is just unbelievable for a guy who is you know, a former quarterback. He's kind of new to the wide receiver position, but you cannot doubt his athleticism for a second. So Braxton Miller is a little bit of a chalk answer. So I also like Sharon Peak, a guy who has piqued my interest uh, in wow. Mobile since I saw him. He's been clocked at a 442 at Clemson. So uh, I think one of those two guys, I like KJ May a lot. I think he's he's really quick, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's the guy. Uh, but look out for Braxton Miller and Sharon Peak as well. All right, next question here, and this is actually our last question here on the clock. The last on the clock question for the Senior Bowl this year. Yeah, it's, it's again, it, it's kind of sad. So I, I'm a little upset that you even brought that up. But Fran, who will be the first safety drafted from the Senior Bowl? Uh, a lot of talented players down here: Jeremy Cash, Kevin Byard, DeAndre Houston, Carson, Darian Thompson, Tyvis Powell, KJ Dillon. Which one of those guys could be the first to go in this year's draft? Well, I think it's important to note. I consider Jalen Mills a safety, but here he is being listed as a corner, so okay. I, won't, I won't include him. All right. I, I won't include him. But if you talk other than Jalen Mills, I would go with DeAndre Houston Carson, a guy that's played both corner and safety uh, throughout his career. I think that he's probably a safety at the next level, shows good coverage ability. I've talked, I said before how he kind of reminded me a little bit of HaHa Clinton Dix of the Green Bay Packers because of his ability to come downhill. He's kind of got that long-rangey frame. I, I think he's a really intriguing player, a guy that's going to go in the middle rounds and could potentially start early. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, another really intriguing guy and a guy that I didn't know a whole lot about before we came down uh, to Mobile. And that's Jeremy Cash, the safety out of Duke. I think he's a guy who can do a lot for defense. And, and one of the reasons that I think that he might be the first safety to go is just because 
he may not have an exact fit, but I think that's kind of what makes him intriguing to some of the NFL teams out there. What you know, what part of the defense will he play? Could he be that linebacker, uh, safety hybrid, that money backer that we've seen uh, with the Arizona Cardinals? And I'm drawing a blank on his name right, uh, Deion Buchanan. Sure. Uh, could he be that type of player? Really, that hybrid? He's got good size at six foot, two hundred and twelve pounds, a physical player. Uh, I think that Jeremy Cash from Duke is a really interesting safety to keep an eye on. Yeah, and I, I kind of think, and this is what I've been saying this now for a couple of months, I think that he's going to be a scheme-specific player. I think that he will need to go to a team that will use him like Deion Buchanan because I don't know. It, and you, you can always say, this is something that Greg Cosell said a lot last year talking about Landon Collins, you can see how coaches think about a player in the way that they use him on the field. And Duke, even when they would play quarters with four defenders deep, Jeremy Cash played underneath. They never, ever, ever played him in the deep part of the field. And that, to me, is a, is a question. It's, a, it's damning for his athleticism. Uh, and I think that's a question with him moving forward, even for, for a linebacker. Because you know, now that you get into the discussion, all right, well, would you rather have Jeremy Cash or you know, Eric Stryker, one of, these, uh, one of these athletic linebackers? Because now it's, you're trying to you're, – if you're comparing body types – and it's interesting because a lot of people view uh, the kid from USC, Sua Cravens, played similar type roles. He's considered a linebacker, whereas Jeremy Cash is considered a safety by a lot of people. And they say, oh, Jeremy Cash played in the slot. He played over receivers. Just because he did that in college does not mean that he's going to do it at the next level. I thought that he had issues running with, with players downfield. I don't know what his range would be like. He did play some on the back end this week. I didn't get a chance to talk to him this week. I would be interested to hear how he feels he did transitioning into that kind of a role, and I'd be interested to see how teams feel like he did transitioning into that kind of a role. But I think he's very scheme-specific moving forward. Well, there is an expression that says that there is a lid for every pot. So there's going to be a fit for him somewhere in the NFL. Some team is going to take a chance on him, I think. Uh, and perhaps it does come sooner rather than later, but we will see. I think that's going to wrap things up for On the Clock. So, Fran, you are officially off the clock uh, here at the at our Combine coverage. Uh, and we still have our draft mail back here to finish out this show. So uh, let's dig right in. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Into the home stretch here on our Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA as we round out the show with our draft mailbag and we thank all the fans who submitted questions today. And the first one comes from Ken Malachek, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing the name wrong, but Ken wants to know, what is this draft's best position of depth and talent? Uh, how do you see this one shaking out, Fran? We've seen a lot of interesting position groups uh, at the Shrine Game, at the Senior Bowl, but uh, as far as depth goes, uh, what is the best group uh, in this year's draft? I think that overall it's probably the, the defensive line because you talk about DeForest Buckner, you talk about some of the guys we've seen here, Jihad Ward, Austin Johnson, Adolphus Washington, some of the underclassmen, Robert Kimdichie, Ashawn Robinson, uh, Kenny Clark, you know, Sheldon Rankins we saw here, Jerron Reed we saw here, Sheldon Day, Vernon Butler, 
Uh, Willie Henry is another underclassman that I think is really intriguing. Adam Gotsis is a guy that we haven't talked about in a long time. He got hurt in mid-October, tore his ACL, but he would have been here at the Senior mm -hmm. Bowl, got brought up by Phil Savage back on Tuesday, was a really intriguing player. I think the defensive line group, and you're talking about defensive tackles or five technique defensive ends and a 3-4, the guys are going to play in a three-point stance, some of those big bodies they are going to play in the trenches. I think that's the strongest position in this group. There are a lot of a lot of positions also that have good depth, and we've talked all week about the interior offensive line and all the different players that are just here. It's not even counting some of the underclassmen that have entered the draft and some of the other players that aren't here. I think that has a lot of depth as well. So for Eagles fans hoping to see some uh, an influx of talent on the interior offensive line, I think there's a lot of hope for that with this draft class. Our next question here comes from Dan at DF215 on Twitter who wants to know, do you think it's possible – that Ohio State wide receiver Braxton Miller falls to the Eagles in the third round. Of course, the Eagles do not have a second-round pick. Could he fall to the Eagles in the third round? What do you think? No. You don't think so? I do not. Uh, well, we played we played uh, we played a game earlier this week uh, on right. one of our podcasts well, night. where we said uh, you know how many of these receivers will last into the third round. It was I think it was Braxton Miller, Sterling Shepard, and Aaron Burbridge, and I said none of them. I don't think any of them are going to last till the third round. Hey, Tony Paulina, our good friend, even said that he could potentially sneak into the end of the first round if he has wow. a good showing at the Combine. Uh, so I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I think he's a really talented player. I think he's a really good athlete. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, coming into the week, I would have said, yeah, uh, I think so. But he, he had another great day on Thursday, man. I, I, he, he has been good. Every single day this week at practice shows the ability to separate, shows the ball skills, does a lot of the little things well at the wide receiver position. Obviously, we know what kind of an athlete he is as well, what kind of uh, explosive threat he is in the open field. I, I tend to agree. I, I don't think he's going to fall that far. And if, Again, if you had asked me this five days ago, I would have said, yeah, he's probably going to be there. I don't know that he will th at this point. And our final question here comes from Wilton Houston, a good friend of ours on Twitter, uh, who often sends in question, who wants to know, hey, Fran, how often do you talk to other media personnel, such as Adam Kaplan or Tommy Lawler, about your views on a specific player? I would say pretty often. I, I enjoy talking with a lot of those guys, and some of the guys I talk to, uh, and I, you try and get different things, and this is, you know, you try. I talk with Adam Kaplan. I, he's an NFL insider. The guy knows what teams are thinking around the league, so I like picking his brain about what teams are thinking, what people are saying. Uh, you know, I like talking with Tony Pauline about similar issues. What, what is he hearing about certain prospects? What is he hearing through the grapevine about different players? Uh, Josh Norris from Roto World, Dane Brugler from CBS. You mentioned Tommy Lawler. I love talking with Tommy, especially down here at the Senior Bowl. We love comparing notes before the week and then after, once the week is over, about some of the players that impressed us while we were down here. Uh, you know, it's it's really fun to be able to talk with because everyone sees things differently. I, also, Greg Cosell is now going to be a bigger part of the process now that uh, this the NFL season is coming to an end. I always I talk with Greg almost on a daily basis in the offseason. We actually probably talk more in the offseason than we do in season, and I see him you know three times a week in season uh in the office for different things that we produce so uh, i'm really really excited about the draft process moving forward love talking with all these guys about their views on prospects because everyone sees the same thing uh in terms of the same tape but they see things differently and project people differently some people have different views on players and uh different different player comparisons and it's always fun always spurns interesting conversation and let's be honest here too you guys also like to pat yourselves on the back a little bit I was right about this player. I was right about him. You guys were all wrong. I had a first round grade on him the first. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. 
Where? I've seen it happen. When? Oh, you do it all the time where you get, <laughs> where, oh, well, oh, you know, I was on this guy from the beginning, and it's just like. <laughs> I never want, I will, this is one thing that I always laugh at. I, lo- I love when people say, oh, I discovered this guy. Yeah. That's yeah, like favorite. you were the first like one to watch him play football. Ne- I will say I've never no. said that before. No, I'm just giving you guys a hard time. Uh, but really tremendous insight from, from everybody that I've been able to talk to down here, uh, especially uh, Tony Pauline, DraftInsider.net. Talk about a guy who's got his ear to the ground when it comes to the draft. Uh, I don't think there's any bit of information that doesn't go through Tony Pauline. Uh, certainly knows his stuff. He's and, the uh, gatekeeper. Absolutely. We, and we had a fun week in Mobile. We had a fun time uh, in the Shrine game as well. Uh, a real gem, that he Tony is. Pauline. That's the only way I could describe him. All right. Uh, we want to thank all the fans for their questions in our draft mailbag. And Fran, uh, unfortunately, I think this is the this end is of our Senior Bowl coverage here. I think we're going to wrap up our final Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Uh, a very fun learning experience for me. I have to admit, uh, Getting to see the players up close, getting to see all the scouts and how much you know, all the media and all the you know, the the agents and all of it that all comes together uh, and eventually turns into uh, the 2016 NFL draft. I had a good time. Did you have fun at Mobile? I, I always do, man. I, I'm looking forward to coming back next year and uh, seeing what we can do next year. But always a fun trip. So now the next big tentpole event that we'll have here on Journey to the Draft will be the NFL Combine at the end. Of February, so uh, for the listeners out there, what's going to be the schedule here for Journey to the Draft leading into the combine? So what you can expect moving forward is that we'll go back to that schedule of on Mondays we'll have the Eagles Insider podcast, on Tuesdays we'll have the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, and on Wednesdays you can expect an audio and a video version of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Uh, so we will be back in studio from an audio and video standpoint next week, so you can expect that on Wednesday. Uh, Fun times ahead. And then once we get to the Combine, uh, myself and Chris McPherson will be on the road like you and I have been for the past two weeks. Every day from an audio perspective, uh, from the journey to the draft, from the Combine, will be fun. Uh, It certainly will be a lot of fun. So, again, thank you all for listening. Uh, Whether you listen to this podcast through iTunes, Stitcher, however it is, Please, please, please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe. Let us know what you like and what you don't like, especially as we're heading into crunch time here, uh, heading into the NFL Combine. So for Fran Duffy, I'm Alex Smith. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.